So two weeks ago, I promised to do something and I haven't really ever done before, and that was to break a homily into two parts, and today to kind of give the second part, and that's preaching about heaven. And you may remember two weeks ago, I talked about the fact that, you know, it's so hard to depict, like, just joy and peace and tranquility, and ultimately, like, the ultimate goal of what we're going for, ultimately, it's hard to depict heaven, and that so often when we try to, like, get that into either books or movies or arts, so much of the time it just kind of ends up being kind of corny. And I even cited, you know, the movie The Lord of the Rings where the hobbits are jumping on a bed at the end. It's like, really? This is the grand conclusion? And, you know, I feel bad about it, but at the same time, I'll tell you, it's like I have to eat my own humble pie. Sitting down and trying to write a homily about heaven is not easy. I have two pages right here, just got them all printed out and everything. I still don't know that I completely like it because it's a difficult thing to talk about. It's hard to encapsulate what the end goal is, but I am going to try. So let's think about this. We all know that we get hungry, right? Every once in a while, you know, there comes a point during the day when we have to eat. And even when we have that hunger, we know that there is food that's been created that will satisfy the hunger, and then we're fine for at least another couple hours. That desire is okay. The same thing is true in a lot of other ways when it comes to thirst, when it comes to loneliness, when it comes to all of these different desires we've been created with, right? There is something to satisfy them. And yet, we know in this life, it's like we're never completely satisfied. There's always, like the Moody Blues song, the touch of sorrow, right? There's always something right there that just sort of escapes our grasp. I'll tell you, one of the best examples of this that I know is whenever I go to what I like to call the happiest place on earth, the Dominican convent up in Ann Arbor, Michigan. I love visiting those sisters. It's so much fun. Their community is so good. They have time and adoration every day. And this is the thing, too. They have a recreation hour every day. One of my favorite things in the world to do is to sit down and play board games with sisters. And I know what you're thinking. Father, whoa, calm down, okay? But it's so much fun to go up there, to be with them, to have these good conversations, to be there. But every single time, when it gets to that last day, it's like you know you got to go to that darn Detroit airport and fly back down to North Carolina, right? Now, don't get me wrong. I love being here. I mean, I love being the pastor of Sacred Heart. We all know it's hard to say goodbye. And every time that we get to this point, one of my best friends up there, Sister Joseph Andrews, says, remember, we're made for eternity. And that's the thing. Eternity does exist. We know that ultimately there is a way for our ultimate desires to be fulfilled. Yet, we know in this life we're not there yet. And I'm so glad that, you know, two weeks ago we decided to kind of like punt on heaven until this week because I feel like all three of the readings taken together help so much because. They help to emphasize the fact that, yes, we're not there yet. Look at what St. Paul and St. Barnabas say as they're out there proclaiming the gospel. It is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus, and remember, this is going all the way back. It's the same gospel we got on Holy Thursday night, at least a section of it, before Jesus washes the feet. Is it after? I think it's after. After Jesus washes the feet of his disciples. Notice Judas takes off. He doesn't stick around to hear what's going to happen. 
Jesus, knowing that he's going to go to his passion and death, says to them, I won't be with you much longer. And then, what does he do? He gives them that greatest commandment, love one another. That's sort of the key in the midst of all of this, in the midst of our fallenness, in the midst of knowing that we do have to have departures in this life. We've all had the difficulty of at the very least saying goodbye to family members when they travel away. Much harder than that, we've all experienced, I'm sure, death in one way or another. And if you haven't, you know that you will. It's hard. It's a difficult thing. And yet Jesus, in the face of his own death, in telling them, I will only be with you a little while longer, what does he say? Freak out, guys, and run for the hills. No. He says, love one another. And therein lies, I think, like I said, the key to holding on to that heavenly glory in this life, of knowing the fact that we can begin to participate in heaven even right now. And how do we do that? By loving one another. Now, when are the times when we've kind of experienced this actually happening? So you can kind of get glimpses, I think, sometimes, let's say, have you ever been part of a team where everything is just really clicking? And I mean, it can be sports, it can be in the office, it can be some creative volunteer project, but when it's like nobody is trying to sort of assert their own greatness and show everybody how good they're, but everybody emphasizing one another, that everybody's playing off of one another and things are clicking. I will tell you the thing that just came to mind right now. It's not written down. But my brothers and I, we're all smart Alex, okay? And so when all three of us are together, and especially when my dad's there at his own expense, and this is what's not heavenly about it, but we start making fun of him. Now he laughs too, I promise it's not bad. But when we get going, and it's like you're playing off of the differences of each one of us. Rob and Michael, very different from me. And yet, when we play off of each other's humor, it's so much fun. And I'll tell you this, just because I got to go to a theme park this week with the eighth grade, and it's one of my favorite stories ever. And I assume heaven will be like this. So Rob and I are walking around, and there was, you know, like a teenage kid cleaning up. It was at Bush Gardens in Florida. Kid's sweeping up, and I said, hey, can we get a picture? And the guy said, sure. And he goes to set down his stuff. I handed Rob the camera and put my arm around the guy. That picture is so wonderful. Because that guy is totally shocked and surprised. But it was so good and like the timing worked out and it was our humor there and I hope the guy liked it too. And this is the thing, in heaven, he will. And when you think about that, so a team where everybody's playing off each other or you go to a concert or a sporting event where we're all focused on the same thing, everybody's sort of in unison, rejoicing together, loving what's going on, happy to be with the people that are right next to them. You know, certain times when just everyone is on the edge of their seat and so happy, it's so good. And there are times when we're at Mass on Sunday and just everything clicks. Does it happen every single Sunday? No, not necessarily. We know that there are times that the cell phone goes off. Last night, we literally had a little girl almost run up into the sanctuary. Of course, it's when the bishop was here, so that's just great. So... But, you know, God bless her. She just really wanted to be confirmed, too. You know, there are times when you can just feel it, right? It's like the Holy Spirit is so strong and in our midst. We're singing together. I mean, almost I feel like we had a foretaste of it today with the responsorial song. Everybody participating. Us singing together, I will praise your name forever, my King and my God. It's brief. There are times we get that little glimpse, but there at the center of it all is Christ. And there's a beautiful sort of sense of 
this is what it will be like. You think about that and the beauty of heaven is, as I'm going to say in the prayer after the Our Father, in your mercy, keep us free from sin. No more sin, no more temptation, no more selfishness, no more insecurity of like not feeling like you're a part of the group. No more of this feeling of like I have these despairs and sorrows from the past. I have this that I'm ashamed of. Think about the beautiful reading we got as the second reading. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. When you think about the countless tears that are there for various reasons, we all have them. We all have broken hearts for this reason or that. But come the heavenly reality, those are gone. And why is that possible? Because God will be in their midst. As it says in this beautiful reading, this heavenly vision in the book of Revelation, God in the center of this all, telling us to love one another and that actually happening and being possible. And when you think about this fact that every one of us created in the image and likeness of God, every one of us, a mystery, a story, a beautiful unfolding of the reality of God's presence in the world to be found out without any lustful temptation, beginning to come together in this perfect unity with God at the center and this happiness and the fact that we're made for eternity and it doesn't come to an end. There's a beautiful aspect there of getting to enter into something that just doesn't go away, that is that extension of not only getting to see our loved ones who have gone before us, but even also getting to know the people that are sitting right next to us that you might not know now. Getting to know the many ways that your lives intersected, intercrossed, came you know, together in one way or another to make things happen. How amazing that is. And I think a couple of things we need to do to keep striving to participate in that. First of all is recognizing that God gives us the chance to catch those glimpses even now. Of recognizing the fact that he is in our midst. And another way of saying it, Emmanuel, God with us. Spend time with him every day. How do we notice this goodness around us? By sitting with him and asking him to point it out. By asking him even now to start to wipe away those tears, to know that yes, time doesn't heal all wounds, but eventually God does. He is with us and we don't want to neglect him in this life. And with his help, we can go out there and begin to live that new commandment, to love one another. Now, are we going to do that perfectly no, we're not. I'll tell you, I was just at Williamsburg, Virginia, heard about them writing the Declarations of Free People that eventually goes into the preamble of the, of the Constitution in order to form, what is it? A more perfect union. They recognized from the beginning it wouldn't be a perfect union. Why? Because we're fallen. We do stupid things. We continue to sin and get alienated from one another. But what can we work at? A more perfect union recognizing that a perfect union one day with God, not in this life, not in this fallen realm, but as long as we stay close to him, as long as we strive to love and take that foresight, to take that glimpse that we have with us every day, to recognize that it is possible, to recognize that our tears can be wiped away, to recognize that we do have sins and that he will take them. He died that they may be forgiven, that we may be together in this perfect unity, praising him.
forever. I know we can't completely grasp it. I know that it's kind of in a certain way a fool's errand to completely try to encapsulate heaven because it's not like every other subject. Remember, it's not like, well, I learned about heaven, now I'll go learn the piano. No, it doesn't work that way. And yet, we continue to strive each and every day to hold on to those glimpses, to stay close to him, and then to strive to live out that commandment that God willing, we go to heaven, we will live perfectly for all eternity. Imagine that great glory when every tear is wiped away and our Lord makes all things new. Praise be Jesus Christ.